Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Mind, Heart, Muscle. Today we're joined by special guest, Mr. MDV, otherwise known as Matt Della Valley. I hope I'm saying that right. Matt will correct me if uh, if not. Um, so Matt is a longtime fitness professional, and I really mean that word, professional. He has done so much in the last 12, 13, 14 years to really raise the standard of what coaching and what a fitness coach can do. And, uh, and currently he works for a company called NC Fit as the chief fitness officer. They are a global fitness company. He'll do, he, he gives a little introduction on all of that, but man, he's, he's got some, some really cool stuff under his belt. Um, he's traveled around, coached um, countless people, countless hours in so many different ways. And uh, and now you can find him on Instagram, putting out some really cool content, um, mdv.fit on Instagram, and on his podcast called The Intro with MDV. Um, loved this conversation. We talked everything from from CrossFit, the early days of CrossFit, the methodology, um, our beliefs about it, and um, got into a little bit about jujitsu and, and and his uh, his experience with that, and and talked about our experiences with that with those things, time management, um, the self care, all kinds of stuff. Man, we we got into it on this one, had a ton of fun, and. Know you're going to enjoy it. So, without further ado, MTV. Let's. I, I'm still getting used to that. That's new. I just realized I have my headphones on my head and they're not plugged in. So. <laughs> Classic mistake. Is this your first time, Matt? I've. What, this. What is this? What's going on right I, now? I remember my first podcast. <laughs> When, when was your first podcast, Ron White? Oh, geez, 2014, 2015, actually. You were on the podcast? Yeah, uh, my buddy, my buddy who I met through mixed martial arts and jujitsu, Dennis, invited me, invited me out to New York City because this is before we knew about Zoom and doing podcasts that way. Uh, he invited me out to uh, his spot in, in the city and we recorded and and yeah, that was that's what we did. Is that still available? Can I find that somewhere? I, I'm sure it is. I could uh I could shoot I'm, I could shoot him a message and see where it's at. Dude, in the in the several years I've known you, this has I, never come up before. I think it's <laughs> I, I the profound primate podcast was the title of his show. That sounds cool. Profound primate. 2014 is pretty early in the game. Yeah, it was. I want to. I really want to say I, I I correlate all my time stuff to when my gym was in our first location. And I do believe that we were still in our first location um, and we moved in the middle of 2015. I think we were still in our first location when I went out there and did that. So that would have been that would have been 14 or 15. So. That's pretty sweet. I, I got to hear that. 
<laughs> just curious. So yeah, let's let's do some intros. Um, we have we have Ron White again, here. as here. always. Ron co-host um, with me, Matt Gallo, and our friend M D V. Um, dude, I got a I got a question for you. Shoot, MDV. let's go. Does anyone st- still call you Matthew? <laughs> Oh, well, um, yeah. So uh, MDV are my initials. And, uh, you know, what's funny about that is that my whole family has their own like initial DV deal going on. So my dad is ADV, my mom is KDV, sister CDV, EDV, and then I'm MDV. So it's kind of been my whole life that it's been a nickname for me. Uh, there's only two people in my life that call me Matthew. One of them is my mom and the other is my younger sister. Nobody mm-hmm. else, not even my fiance. So Matt, 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 or MDV, Matthew's kind of the special reserve name for, uh, for those two people. Yeah. My wife calls me Matthew occasionally, <laughs> very occasionally. It's been, it's been a long time, actually. Awesome. Um, can, you, can you give us a quick intro to MDV? Who are you? What's, what's your relationship to the fitness world and... Um, what are you most excited about right now? Let's sure. start just for fun. Sure. So uh, right now I work at a company called NC Fit and we are a fitness, global fitness organization. We're primarily located in California, but we've got uh, gyms on the West Coast. We've got gyms uh, in Asia and all kind of all over the world through different partnerships. Uh, and I am chief fitness officer over there for whatever that means to anybody there's not that many chief fitness officers floating around, but we primarily deal in functional training. Uh, we have our roots in CrossFit and we have a few different, uh, different kind of uh, verticals to our business, I guess you could say. So the first vertical is we are purveyors of fitness to local communities. We have our own uh, NC Fit wholly owned and operated gyms in California where people come in, they get coached up in a group class and do amazing workouts and get amazing results. We have an NC fit app, which individuals around the world can subscribe to whether or not they're going through the Apple store or or Google play for the Android, and they can do our workouts and do our follow along workouts that way. And then we also have a more like business to business kind of coaching solution where we package up all the work product that we put together for our team, our athletes, our coaches, and then we uh, offer that to gym owners around the world. And that's called the NC fit collective. And I'm passionate about all things fitness, but I think primarily I'm most passionate about, uh, coaching and coaching development and the journey of moving from, uh, kind of the dark ages of coaching within boutique, small gym, functional fitness type of gyms, where it was very informal environment and professionalizing that. And that's really where I hang my hat. That's, that's my most exciting and most fulfilling work. That's speaks to me, man. It's uh, we've got, (laughs) oh, we can a little, a little bit, you know, we, I mean, this, this whole podcast started on the, the coaching philosophy. It's what we, it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, before the rebrand, you know, our first, what, 10 episodes were all about what, what does a good coach look like? What characteristics does a good coach need to have? And so, you know, uh, you're speaking right to our language when, you know, if we dive into that conversation. And a lot of our list, a lot of the people that listen to this are going to be able to relate. So perfect. When did oh, you yeah. start coaching, Matt? 
MDV Matt? Oh, um, well, I I got my first informally, formally, whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, I I get it. I got my first level one in two thousand and eight. Oh man! Uh, and then um, from there, I had been interning. I actually was interning at a gym before I got my level one for a couple of years. I, I think I did my first. I did. I know I did my first CrossFit workout in two thousand and six and had been interning at a gym for about a year, year and a half before I got my level one. And it was a gym that was doing a lot of things right really early on. They're a gym called CrossFit The Rock. They're actually mm. still around in uh, the South Shore of Long Island and Nassau County. Um, and those guys are amazing. Carlo Mattia and Tom Walsh run that gym now. Um, and then from there in 2009, I started to uh, kind of branch out and coached a little bit more, uh, more formally. It was part of my the way I made money at that time and uh, eventually made my way up to Boston in that same year, 2009, found myself coaching for Ben Bergeron at CrossFit New England and then over to Reebok CrossFit One. I worked for CrossFit Seminar staff for quite a long time and then uh, moseyed across the country to the West Coast to help run things here at NC Fit. So that's the uh, the short story of the coaching. Mm -hmm. what, what was it? What was appealing to you though at that point? Like 2000 six to eight was you know this the crossfit thing was pretty fresh yeah what, what, super new where were you in your in your life and i think this is going to translate well to the, the the you know other parts of today's conversation like where were you in your life when you looked at crossfit and were like i want to try that i remember exactly where i was i was actually in my first few weeks or months of law school so i was um I had been into fitness for a very long time. Uh, I used fitness as a, a vehicle, not only to train and stay in shape for uh, what I was doing at the time during the summers, which was ocean lifeguarding. I was an ocean lifeguard for about eight years. And fitness was a huge part of what I looked at as being prepared for that job. That job, a lot of people look at it and be like, oh, it's fucking really just, you know, laying around in the sun and putting oil on yourself and, you know, running by hot babes on the beach. But there were some days when you really needed to be on your shit and, and make sure your skills were polished so people didn't die. And I took that really seriously. So, you know, in high school, I wrestled. I was somebody who played baseball through high school as well. And, you know, the, the whole wrestling thing also kind of ignited a spark in fitness for me where we trained our asses off. You know, we did a lot of road work, did a lot of running, did a lot of calisthenics, a little bit of weightlifting and a lot of drilling. And it just made me fall in love with training. So I started to implement a kind of mixed modal type of training, even before I ha had known what CrossFit was, I was doing road races, running in soft sand. I was doing body weight exercises. I was bodybuilding. I wasn't really Olympic lifting. I was squatting a little bit but I was taking a lot of these things and kind of putting them together in, in the format that I felt was effective for me. And when I went to law school in 2006, I met a guy, um, his name is Sam Ark. And Sam had, for some reason, stumbled across the CrossFit message boards. And he was, dude, Sam looked like an Adonis. This guy was ripped to shreds. You can even see underneath like his law school clothes that he was he was just a, a mountain of muscle. And I was like, whatever the fuck you're doing, man, I want to give it a shot because I think I'm pretty fit as well. And let's go. So we ended up doing, I believe it was Angie, 100, 100, 100, 100 uh, of pulse, push-ups, sit-ups, and squats. Mm -hmm. And it was the most kind of like, um, you know, if you had to look up CrossFit kind of weird workouts on the internet, you would have found that video of me. If there was a video, I was doing the pull-ups on, 
you know, one of those dip pull up kind of structures in a normal globo gym. I was squatting <laughs> posu ball. I was doing sit-ups with my feet anchored underneath, uh, you know, whatever there was to anchor under and the squats were probably terrible, but we did Angie. And then all of a sudden I was hooked. I was on the message boards. I was looking up workouts to do and kind of never looked back since. Reminds me of, uh, yeah, like I, I found this stuff in like 2010 and worked at a YMCA as a lifeguard and we had access to the gym upstairs. So I would go up and I would just pick random machines and I would do like as many reps as possible on the machines. And then I found crossfit.com hook, hit up some workouts. Cindy was one of the first ones. And I remember, yeah, one of those, uh, assisted pull-up machines with the thing you put your knees on and yeah you gotta you gotta put the 25 pound weight on it so that the thing goes down to the ground that's the only yes. way to use that machine. <laughs> and like my version of a kipping pull-up with e without ever extending my elbows and and i should have been doing strict yeah and, the, the, <laughs> oh the man it was fun glassman gave the the gravitron a ton of hype man if you read the the old journal articles Glassman loved the Gravitron. So he thinks that that's one of the best things for pull-up development for anybody. So, I mean, we do it, we replicate it now with bands and such yep. and to a yeah. different degree. And <clears throat> absolutely. That's funny. You know, that you made, I saw your post this morning on Instagram MTV oh. about the kipping pull-ups and it made me laugh. The, uh, what was that last, the last uh, slide or is like, you could, uh, something oh, about like leaving it to Jesus or something. Yeah. <laughs> the Jesus and, take the wheel kipping pull up. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I love that. And, uh, it's real, man. If, if we had those machines, if we had those, those assisted pull up machines, I think people might have better pull ups. <laughs> well, this is a really interesting topic for me and I don't know whether or not you guys wanted to get into it or not, but um, Dude, anything. the, the kipping pull-up thing is, I, I believe Glassman more recently has been quoted and if he hasn't, this is hearsay, but I'm, I'm going to pretend that I know what I'm talking about here. I believe <laughs> that he has said if he could change one thing about the history of CrossFit, it would be to deprioritize the kipping pull-up and prioritize the strict pull-up. I've heard that with within the last five years, for sure. I've heard that. I, I truly don't believe you're making it up. I think I've heard yeah. it as well. Yeah. I, I mean, there's so much validity to it. I think, you know, the thing that got people so hooked on kipping pull-ups was that there is a certain mystique to them. They look really, really cool. And you can end up doing these insane amounts of pull-ups, uh, volume that you could never imagine doing at a speed that you could never imagine doing it uh, strict. Mm. And I think that that was one of the things that when you looked at CrossFit workouts and you were like, oh shit, like what is different about this stuff? And you go, oh, these people over here are doing a thousand reps of pull-ups in two minutes. And that for people was both uh, really exciting, but also on the other end of the spectrum, the people who were looking in going, what the fuck are these guys doing? It was probably <laughs> infuriating. The, and the, Oh, go yeah, ahead. No, keep going. I was just saying oh, yeah. like, you go, Ron White. All right, sorry. I'll, I'll go, guys. I'm, ex I'm, ex go. I'm excited about this conversation because it's it's fresh. I've just been reading about it. Uh, perspective of the kipping pull-up and the beauty of it is whether you want to believe strict needs to happen first or not is for the people that strict doesn't happen first for, it opens that door. 
it gives them the opportunity to do a pull-up where they might've been like, I'm never going to be able to do a pull-up. You know, how we've been in this space, all of us collectively for like 30 years. Uh, so how many times have you seen somebody get their first kipping pull-up before they could do a strict and how happy it made them. And, mm. and then eventually they can do strict pull-ups because they stuck around. They, they're like, oh, okay, I can do a pull-up. Now, if I keep working on the strength of it, I'm going to be able to do more kipping pull-ups if I can do one strict. Like, and I, I believe that there's beauty in it that from that side to where it opens the door. And then coming from the other side and exactly what your post was about this morning, uh, should, should you have, you know, hey, you know, you really should be strong enough to support yourself. Is there, is there ways that we can say, okay, you don't necessarily need to be able to do a strict pull-up before you should do a kipping pull-up. Are there some other prerequisites that we could look at, look at like, hey, can you hang in an active position for 30 seconds? Like, can you, can you safely perform the kip swing without super overextending and stuff like that? You know, can we meet somewhere in the middle on that? That goes right to... Uh, I, if I'm remembering correctly from this morning, why, from another thing you posted is like, yeah, you can do that. You're taking a little bit of a risk. There's, there's, there's a balance between it. And yes, it's beneficial to give someone a win if that's what they're looking for or, and then regress them. If you have that conversation and you're communicating well, and you're coaching them up to that level. Or if you're just allowing it to happen because it's happening and, and now they're going to, say, Hey, I can do pull-ups now. So I'm going to keep doing this without doing the prerequisite work. I think there's a, there is a balance and a fine line between what, what, what happens in the gym and in, in the nine or so years I've been coaching CrossFit. Honestly, I've rarely seen people get a kipping pull-up before a strict pull-up, mostly because I, I coach them. Otherwise I coach them to, to a strict pull-up first before we even start swinging around they'll kip they'll do like kipping knee raises and stuff like that but not to the extent of like i'm going to try to throw myself to get my chin over the bar and then crash down into my shoulders on the way down mm. you know we take we take the the steps and they'll develop that skill of kipping develop the fine motor skills and the shoulder strength and the core strength as they build the strength the strict strength as well a couple of things about this discussion, yeah. you know, guys, I, I think my, my opinions have changed over the years. I, I would, um, I was earlier in my CrossFit career, I was much more a proponent of kipping in general um, and not necessarily rushing people into kipping, but maybe figuring out that balance that Ron was talking about between like, all right, well, you don't have a strict yet, but let me teach you some of the mechanics and the control here on the bar. And let me see if you can hang and show me the active position and control the kip. And let's see if we can get this movement going and give you that win you know i i don't think there's necessarily it's not like that's a cardinal sin i'm not like trying to crucify coaches <laughs> over that but like the analogy i start to think about would be like if you gave a loaded handgun to people who didn't really know how to use a handgun not everybody's going to point the barrel in their face and shoot themselves but a couple of people probably are 
there's probably a few people out there who don't know what the fuck the trigger is. And they're going to look at it and go, oh shit, I just blew my brains out. With the, <laughs> with the kipping pull-up, we give this really powerful mechanism to people who don't have the strength or awareness to control it. You know, the hips, that, the hips are so powerful and the momentum that you can create on a bar with a swing are so powerful that you can put yourself into a position or take yourself off of that bar at such speeds and such uh, kind of like really high intensity moments that you can either jeopardize the health of your shoulders, your biceps, your chest, whatever, all those kind of bodily parts. But you can also just lose the grip on the bar if you don't have the control of it. And you could be moving very fast with gravity towards the ground and be in a really bad way. So, you know, for me, it's a little bit more these days where if I see somebody who doesn't yet have any really strength or awareness about the pull-up bar where they all they want to do is get up there and kind of wildly swing and they see other people doing that. And I, I would just so much rather that person just take a few steps back and go, what do, what do I really need this for? What, what is my goal here? Yeah, if even if I got this kipping pull-up where I use this tremendous amount of momentum and hip power, where the fuck am I going to use that in my everyday life? Like, why wouldn't you want to develop this requisite strength and awareness and uh, the skill behind the kip first and then master the kip down the road? And I get it. There's something sexy about it. There's not, it's not as sexy to do bent over rows or scat pull-ups or all those other things mm. that I mentioned this morning in the post. But I do think that if I could change one thing as, as well as Glassman, it would be to deprioritize kipping and prioritize strict. Which, which is interesting because they still teach it at every level one. There's a yeah. whole segment on the kipping pull-up. Yep. And we still program pull-ups yeah. in volume of and uh, workouts where the default is to kip. Um, and the understanding is that whoever's in charge there, whether it be the coach or whoever, depending on where you're at, you're making the right decisions and they're, you're trying your best to do it, to do it well, rather than do it for, uh, do it for the gram. In a Hopefully. Way. <laughs> I think that's with all things, right? Not yeah, man. And I love, I love the metaphor of the loaded gun and handing people a loaded gun and, you know, do you trust them? Do they, do they know how to use it? Do they know where the trigger is? I see the same, not in the same category, (laughs) but I think the, right. (laughs) You you see the same thing everywhere. You see it. um, You see it in jujitsu. Oh Oh, boy, do you see it in (laughs) jujitsu? You roll with a white belt and you're given and you teach them one good submission and they get lucky. They're going to fuck you up <laughs> or they, they try something and something's, and I've done, we've, we've done this before. I've done it, man. Kicked someone in the face by accident. Like it happens, but you give someone the opportunity to, to finish a submission and they're going to go pull a little too hard or um, not quite know how it's supposed to feel yet. And then someone could get hurt and, you're giving someone a, a deadly weapon and allowing them practice time to use it. It's such an interesting thing. And it happens at every level too. The comparison in jujitsu that I, I have seen over the years is, you know, especially since you can watch a million videos and learn all these fancy tricks is like when you see that, that white belt who's like, oh, I just watched this video on the rubber guard and 
I'm going to go. And, and like, dude, I was guilty of it, man. Like, I'm going to send you a video of myself soon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you better not I, start hating on 10th Planet here, guys. I'm just Oh, I'm not. No, 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 no. I went to an Eddie Bravo. I went to an Eddie Bravo seminar. It was one of the most awesome seminars I ever went to. Uh, I learned a bunch. And 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 in all reality, his the the 10th planet system, it's it it just takes away space, man. It's just it's what it is. And that's what that's what jujitsu is all about, is you know, taking away space and capitalizing on that. But like just like with just like the strict before kipping, there's basics before advanced techniques and 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 due to the ability to see so much and learn so much and you can just go learn whatever the fuck you want whenever you want and you're learning things that you don't need to know yet Mm -hmm. (laughs) like like okay sure you can do that go-go plata from the mount but can you sweep somebody and get to the mount like show me a good scissor sweep get to the mount and then finish and then go for that technical submission like there's and you know we see it in crossfit as well like somebody i want to snatch i want to snatch i want to snatch i want to snatch well your air squat looks like shit that was me like (laughs) it's 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 what i did like i was doing all this stuff that i shouldn't have been doing because my air squat was garbage i i took uh when i started jujitsu and it probably the same time around as you mdv it was a year no yeah a year before covid ish and i i took a class with um with coach panda keith wittenstein and i at, it was uh, love him man it was one of my first like jujitsu first gi class actually was with him and i asked him dude what is the air squat of jujitsu because i want to know the basics and then we got into a, a two-hour-long conversation about it, about jujitsu, but I went what into that. Answer? He didn't have an answer. We learned grip breaking. We learned. Um, he was like, "If you can retain your guard well, you, you're you're doing pretty well to start. Like, let's focus on guard retention." Um, and then it was guard passing, um, or getting getting out of a bad position. Standing survival. up, things like that. Survival. That was my first year of jujitsu. It was just survive. Um, I thought it was, I need to pass the guard. I need to secure a, a, a good, strong position. I need to go for a submission. Like, yes, those things are great. Until I found myself in a, you know, rolling with a fresh blue belt who knows his sh- a little bit of his shit and wants to try everything and now I'm smashed or rolling with a black belt who lets me think that I'm making progress. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like I, I'm like, Oh, I'm, I mounted him. And then no, he choked me like, okay, something, something's happening here. So it was more like protection. Like I'd say after doing this for a while, you know, rolling with all kinds of people getting the, the blue belt I've, I've realized like the air squat is not getting choked mm-hmm. the air squat is knowing like to protect yourself knowing where to how to protect yourself um putting your frames up creating space hip escapes things like that that's like the very fundamental stuff and yeah 
And I well, even, coming, yeah, go ahead. Going. I was going to say coming back, coming back to CrossFit, I think, you know, this is, this is what Glassman categorized or, or coined as the novice's curse, you know, in, mm. in, in one of his early articles is the, the tendency and the temptation to rush past the basics and the fundamentals to the more advanced skills. And, you mm. know, I think as coaches over the past X number of years, I think as a whole, we probably have neglected that as, uh, you know, something that is a, as a charter, it should be a standing charter for everybody involved in, in functional fitness, where we are going to really hone in on the basics. We're going to give our athletes enough reps about the basics. We're going to make sure that they understand fully why it's important that there are these logical progressions to get to the more advanced skills and, and not necessarily rush people into the sexier stuff, but that's also hard because you're dealing mm -hmm. with, you're dealing with people who want to come into the gym and experience something in its full form and really have a great and exciting workout. And I, I, I you can make it great and exciting with the fundamentals. You just have to know how to do that. And I don't mm -hmm. think a lot of coaches really fully understand how to bridge that gap and do it well, do it really yeah. well in a way that's fun and exciting. And you take, I don't know how often you drop into CrossFit gyms now, man, or either of you, but if you drop into a gym, like there's some really bad experiences you'll have, you can have out there in regards to a workout. And, and I mean, like, it's, it's not fun. It's either very serious and they drill a lot and they, they go through A, B, C, D, E, F, whatever, or it's, um, you know, Hey, we're doing this Metcon go warm up. And then you're kind of left to your own devices to experiment and try things. And there's value everywhere. I, can, I, I look for what is going to be, uh, what I can take away from these things. And the really great places I've dropped into, NC Fit being one of them, like, and, uh, you know, a couple of other gyms all around, like, it's just, is the atmosphere really fun? Are you learning something new? Are you getting to dip your toes in the water of trying something different? And then when you hit a good workout, are you going back to the basics and trying really hard? And if you do the basics really well and you put effort in and every once in a while you go and try something a little bit outside of your comfort zone, you're going to start to expand those, that margin and get outside of your comfort zone. And that's the fun thing about jujitsu. I remember one of my first classes, they taught, um, I think it was a, Kim a Kimura from side control, really super simple, like white belt class. And during the time where we got to roll and I had no shot of doing that specific submission that we just drilled getting to that was impossible. And then I realized like, Oh wait, this is what it's like to be so new at something to not even understand how all the pieces fall into place. And I imagine when someone comes into my gym and I'm teaching something like a snatch, the same thing will happen. We'll go over fine details at some point of this, but at the very basic level, I want to make sure that people are engaged and having fun. And, and I do remember my first jujitsu class, learning that, learning that submission, learning that, that Kimura. I remember just enjoying the process the entire time. And the coach made it really fun and exciting. And then at the end, he's like, I'll see you tomorrow. And then I came back and it was, it was good. And I, I, I wanted to be able to replicate that. And everywhere I go, I look, I look for that. Now I look for that, um, 
more positive spin on uh, on what we're doing and and making it more about the experience and the the idea of like, hey, we're learning something. We're all learning something together. Let's make it fun. Let's make it enjoyable for everybody, not just ourselves. And uh, I definitely have gotten away from that over time. It's it's. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no. I, I think that's a, a great <laughs> example of probably a coach who knew what he, he or she was doing and ran a, a nice class for you. And, you know, I, I don't want to paint this picture that all CrossFit and all functional training gyms are, are bad. They're not, mm -hmm. you're going to go into some gyms. You're going to have a good experience. You're going to go into some gyms and they're going to blow your minds and be a great experience, but you're also going to go into some gyms and you're going to have a neutral or bad experience. But I don't think that's just specific to CrossFit and functional training. I also think that that's Right. In martial arts and jujitsu and in any group class environment where there's not this kind of formulaic approach, like in Barry's or F45 or Orange Theory, where these guys have literally curated the experience down to the second and to the minute where you are just kind of going through and it's, it's cookie cutter, it's McDonald's, you know exactly what you're going to get every single time. And it's definitely catered towards being fun and exciting and simple in a way where you're going to get a good workout, but you're also going to have fun and you're going to want to go back. And those things are important to do. And you can do those in a atmosphere that does have some more technical things going on, like a jujitsu class or a CrossFit or functional training class. It's just not always uh, applied that way. Mm. Applied in that, in the systematic way with the fun, not, not <laughs> even system, but like just figure out how you're going to balance all these different things that you are uh, charged with as a coach who's running this class experience. I think that people, some people who go out there and, and coach, they drastically underestimate the amount that's involved in putting on in a fucking amazing class 100 <laughs> times in a row. Like that's the other thing about this is that I really believe that great, the greatest coaches are the ones that not necessarily have the greatest education or not even run the greatest one single class, but the, the coaches that can go out there every single day and do it over and over and over and over and over again. And that consistency is what makes them great. That's a rare quality. And that's something that most of the time people, they come into the door with when they start it, they have that uh, it's, it's a fire. It's a passion for sure. And some ability to um, communicate and be intuitive and um, bring some energy into the room. And then you could layer in the, the actual skill. And for coaches listening to this, because we do have some coaches who listen to this, <laughs> don't get discouraged because it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult job. Um, I mean, collectively, we've between the three of us, how many classes have we all coached? Oh my God. 10,000 each, um, probably. And I, I bet some of those were real bad days. For sure. <laughs> Where people probably left that day, either feeling like they didn't learn anything, they got a bad workout, uh, they had a bad taste in their mouth because. The coach frowned at them at one point. I don't know. Shit happens, right? But it's like, like you said, man. It's that. It's the consistency, the the will, the willingness to to show up. And on the other side too, it's the 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 
participants from the participant side, the willingness to show up, the consistency that that keeps you keeps you engaged. I know I get excited seeing the same people every day. Yeah. Like, like that's uh that's what helps with my energy is like when when I see my group in the morning and I'm like, all right, these people are here, they showed up, they need me to be here. And like, you know, you gotta like I've been I've been overwhelmed and like just all over the place emotionally this week with dealing with some unexpected things. And, and like, I have literally felt each morning, like, man, I, I really didn't give to my class today what I normally do. And like, but because I have in the past, my people are like, like they check on me, you know? Like, hey, you good? Like, and like that just is like, okay, you know, hey, mm. like they see, they see the energy, they know the energy, they feel the energy that is brought to a class that, you know, where the coach gives a fuck, which Did was I, one, which was one of our traits. Yeah, right. <laughs> Caring. I just, um, right before this, I was heading home. I stopped at a Cadoba to get some lunch. And right next to that, there's a, an Orange Theory Fitness, right? Boutique, like rowing, treadmill, circuit training kind of thing mixed with some strength training. They're all over the city. I don't know if you guys have them, but Orange Theory. And I heard the door was open. There's, they have a class, a noon class of about 20 people packed out. And it sounds like the, the trainer is reading from a script the entire time. And yet people still show up every day. And I imagine that there's a, a bit of a balance for sure. Like the, the trainer is there. They have to bring the energy. They get to read from a script because it's, it's systemized and it's really the same thing every single time. And then they add that, that, that level of care. And I, I know some people who do, who do that, who, who train at this place. Um, and you know, you could put them in front of a CrossFit class and they will do just as well because they have that, that energy. They see the same people every day. And if I, I bet if somebody saw that trainer, you know, not screaming into the microphone and, and be having this energy, they're going to walk up to them and say, Hey man, like everything cool. Like that was a little different. What's, what's real, what's happening today. What's going on. What's the, what's the, um, motivating factor for us as coaches and for anyone listening, what's your motivating factor for getting up every day, showing up, even when you're overwhelmed? That's, that's a glorious question. Um, so I, you know, just to kind of go back to the orange theory thing, you know, with, yeah. with orange theory, their, their business model is a bit different than I think most boutique fitness, outfits are you know they are looking to get a thousand members in like a thousand recurring members at all times and they have a pretty i think high turnover rate uh and they've mastered the uh art of attracting people who want to get in shape for their wedding and want to lose some weight and they're you know they have the the whole orange zone type of uh i don't want to call it a gimmick but they're they're using this orange zone where you're their learning. method yeah yeah the methodology about that and their whole, their trainers are chartered with 
being these really fun and big and exciting personalities. And that's what they're doing in that little, whatever it is, 500 square foot room that's packed to the brims, 20 people every class. And, you know, the music's blasting and it's orange in there and you're getting fired up. It's a very <laughs> different environment. And I think it's a different type of performance. There's probably some probably some common characteristics that you could bridge between somebody who's coaching a great orange theory class and a great uh, crossfit or functional training class, but there definitely is probably um, some unique differences as well. At least for me, what I'm, what I'm thinking about in terms of getting up and, and really putting my best foot forward every single day in, in anything that I do is that I, one, I'm, I'm never satisfied with anything that I do ever. And it, that's a gift and a curse. I think that that's something that has started really early with me and and has brought me through to where I am right now and and it certainly has weighed me down at points but it's probably benefited me more than it, it's hurt me uh, and the other thing is that I I take this job and this role whether or not I'm coaching athletes at, during a class or I'm doing a, a summit or I'm coaching coaches I take that really really seriously because it's either the health and fitness of the people who are standing in front of me on the line, they're putting their trust in me, or it's the careers and the trajectory that these other people who are coaches who are looking to us or to me for guidance or knowledge or advice or to share things back and forth. In either one of those cases, those are really serious things to the people who are standing in front of me. So why, why the fuck do I get to show up late or look like a slob or take it not as seriously? I think that that's that's where sometimes there's a disconnect that coaching, coaching within a CrossFit functional training gym, it can be really fun and it can be the, the most fun that you'll have. And you'll get this amazing experience out of it and you'll be super fulfilled, but it can also be so fun that you get comfortable in it and that mm -hmm. you start to feel like, Oh, this is my home and these are my people and these are my friends and I can do whatever. And they don't care if I show up in my dirty sweatpants and, you know, I can eat during class every now and again. And, Oh, it, whatever. I can just walk around with my phone in my hand and I'll be scrolling Instagram every now and again, and nobody will notice. No, fuck that, man. Like that, that's ridiculous. You don't get a pass on that stuff. That's not the way that professionals act. And at least that's my opinion on things. So, you know, that's, that's just how I look at it, but I could be wrong. No, I hear you. And it's, it's become in some places, the culture that because it's a community and we're part of that community, we get to be part of it. Um, and it's, I've seen it done. I've seen it. I've seen it happen with members turned coaches where they still feel it's so connected and so attached to the community that they've, they're almost in have a sense of entitlement to, to, to these things. And then we have to remind them like, Hey, it's a job too. There's one, there's standards of care. There's, there's some tools for you that are available to make this role really good and, and get a lot out of it. And you're serving the community. Now you are, you're part of it in a different way. And that's a great, great characteristic. It's the practice, what you preach thing that we talk about a lot. That can be a very tough transition for people going from being a long-standing yeah. member into now a coach employee. That's a really tough one sometimes for people. Yeah. Was that, that level of care, man, has that been part of your MO like your whole life? When, when did you, or 
how did that how did in that start aspects, i think yeah in certain aspects like you yeah. went you went to law school i'm sure you gave that your all and then what happened <laughs> um i so i guess in high school high school was fairly easy for me like i i did well in high school but I didn't really put a tremendous amount of work into it. Like I had like a 93 or a 94 average in like an all guys prep school. And that was okay. Like it wasn't, I wasn't blowing the door off the hinges, but, and I certainly wasn't doing work to get myself up to the 98 or 99 or whatever that you had to do to get there. Same thing also with wrestling in high school. Like I, I got by in wrestling and did okay in the training sessions and the drilling, but I, I got my fucking ass handed to me almost all the time uh, in matches from my freshman year to my junior year. So much so that my junior year, I was like, dude, I just want to enjoy the rest of my high school experience. My buddies, I don't want to worry about cutting weight. I don't want to work this hard. So I actually quit. I, I gave it up. And I think those two things coupled with the influence of my mom and my dad, uh, my dad is the hardest worker that I've ever seen in my life. I mean, the guy just never stops. He's 70 plus years old and he's probably out fucking fixing something on the front of the house right now like this second i would guarantee you he's not sitting on his ass he's <laughs> working hard and my mom who is a ridiculous influence on my life in terms of pushing myself harder you know uh she nagged me through high school and i thought that she was probably the devil woman at that time but you know when i get to college and i start turning it on a little bit and i get a 3.4 gpa she asked me why i didn't get a 4.0 and you know that that type of stuff is in it fires me up. It makes me a little bit <clears throat> angry at times in the present, in that, in that present time. But looking back on it, I go, damn, man, she was just pushing me to reach my full potential. And that's something that I never want to do anymore is I never want to look back and be like, well, what if I just hmm. tried a little harder? What if I worked a little bit more? What could I have become? Um, and, you know, for me, I'm, 37 years old now. So like, I, I don't have an endless amount of time anymore on this earth, or at least like, it doesn't feel like it when you're 17 or 22 or 24 or whatever, like you feel like you're invincible. You're never going to die. But like at 37, you start to realize that there's some mortality to this thing, man. So what are you doing now to challenge that? To work harder and, and, and see what you're, uh, see what you're capable of and reach your full potential. Is there anything you're doing right now? Well, jujitsu is a beautiful example of that. I think that that more than anything else in the past five or six years of my life has taught me again, like you were saying before, what it is to be a beginner, what it is to struggle, what it is to feel extreme amounts of discomfort on a regular basis. You know, somebody who's generally athletic, I'm good at a lot of things. I'm not trying to be a cocky asshole. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's just how it shakes out. And I walk into jujitsu and yeah, I'm, I'm good for where I'm at, but I still suck in the grand scheme of things. I still know fucking nothing. And there's people that hand me my ass every single day. Uh, people who are smaller than me, people who are much bigger than me, people who are the same belt as me. Like it's all, it's an endless challenge and there's always new things to learn and, and new opportunities to grow. You know, the other thing is that I try to keep a fair amount of just discipline in my everyday life. Um, and that comes down to eating a certain way, making sure I work out in a certain amount of time every day, making sure that I go to sleep and get enough uh, sleep or wake up at amount of the times that I want to wake up at. Um, and when I don't do those things, my life just 
spirals quickly down the fucking toilet than quicker than you would ever imagine. Like, and, and probably some in my own head it's happening, but I need habit and routine to keep me going. If I don't have it, I'm just lost. And you're, you're doing the, the 75 hard challenge currently, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Me and my buddy Gabe, we're about 45 or 50 days in, I think. Awesome. We, we, we both finished that in March. Nice. March 16th. Oh, yeah. March 16th. We started January 1st. That was fun. And then and then I broke my foot on March 20th. It was fantastic. <laughs> so Man. all the all the weight, all the weight that I lost in those oh my god. <laughs> those 75 days. 75 came, hard to 75 easy. Oh my god. It, no, it went to actually that's the transition. Like well, I, it's so relatable what you were just saying about needing the discipline it's so necessary feeling, feeling like your life is spiraling when i was when, like i would go back to january and start the 75 hard over in a fucking heartbeat then deal with what i've dealt with since march 20th with this foot injury mm. like um i did i i did once uh like oh it was before i even got out of the boot we did the phase one challenge and and like i was doing outdoor i was doing outdoor workouts on crutches and you know or just oh, like yeah. or just pulling pulling the assault bike outside of, right outside of the gym and doing doing whatever i could right here and and now that's over and my wife and i just went on vacation and i feel like shit <laughs> and, <laughs> and like, and, and like, and I'm sitting here and, uh, on the way home, like on the way home from vacation, my car broke down. So like my whole world is out of whack right now. And like, I'm like, man, and it's before we got onto this call. I was like, all right, man, cause all good things start on Monday. I was like on Monday morning, like <laughs> we're going to get some level of discipline back and like really get focused on things because right now I feel like garbage yeah. and and I know it's, I know it's a combination of just like ate like shit for a few days, had a good time, loved every second of it. And then dealing with the, uh, the overwhelm of my wife and I being forced into one vehicle when we have a family and, you know, luckily, uh, she works here at the gym for the gym. And she has a part-time job that she gets to do remotely out of the gym. So like, thank fuck we get to go to the same place every day. But like, there's been a couple instances where we both needed to go in opposite directions at the same time. And like, you could just see it knock the wind right out of our sails, like feeling, feeling uh, like it made her overwhelmed. It made her yeah. feel, I could see that she felt extremely inconvenienced. And I'm like, I'm like, this sucks so bad <laughs> for both of us. And like, I'm like, and, and that's where I'm at. Like, I'm like, all right, I need Monday morning. I need all my meals prepped. I need to, I need to like get back to my morning routine. I need to get back to my making a daily to-do list and like, and just get some structure back into my life because man, that's when I feel the best. Yeah. It simplifies everything. <clears throat> yeah. It's just but like, well, I bet there's so many people who can relate to that because you know, like I bet a lot of people look at my situation and they go, well, yeah, it's easy for you to say because you, you know, you work in fitness, it's part of your job. You know, you, you have all these opportunities to 
work out and, you know, you have to eat right and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, with anybody, life gets in the way, just like with me, life, what life will happen to me, life happens. Like, Mm. you know, my, I, before this podcast, I just found out my uncle who I'm super close with had a, had a heart attack and is in the hospital. And like, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, what are the ramifications of that? And life happens to everybody, no matter who you are. And I think one of the cool things about the positions that we all find ourselves in as coaches is that we can stand up as an example of, of being not, not so like robotic that like, Oh, when life happens, I just kind of power fucking through it and I'm going to do whatever I need to do. But like, yeah, like let life is going to happen to us. It's obviously going to have a little bit of impact, but like we can come back stronger. We can do small things. It's just like one little thing that you or I could do that would put us on a trajectory where we are starting to make progress out of that spiral and even if it's just slowing the spiral down for like a little bit, making the, your bed in the morning or doing the dishes in the sink at night, or like, Hey, I'm going to take a 10 minute walk today instead of watching Netflix, you know, whatever it is, all those things are super, super powerful. And, and, you know, that, that's another reason why, you know, the people at the front of the room have so much influence and have so much opportunity to impact those standing in front of them is that, that we're, we're just, we're human beings. Like we are the same as you. And, uh, I I'm, I'm super encouraged by what you just shared there. I hope that come Monday that <laughs> yeah. you know, jump into it. <laughs> My encouragement to you would be one thing today, right? Whatever that is, do one thing that kind of slows that spiral down. Cause I, we've all been there, man. You know, and, and, uh, I took, I took class here at the gym this morning and That's like, it, man. yeah. And, and, and like, it's so funny is like the workout started at the 40, like around the 40 minute mark of class and from zero to 40 going through the entire warm up, I felt like shit. But as soon as that three, two, one happened, I was like, I was like, boom. I was like, there I am. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. And uh, I was actually, I was actually going to write something up about that, about how, how, I've been doing CrossFit for 12 years and whether I want to work out or not, the moment that freaking clock starts, man, something changes, something changes. It's, I don't know how to explain it. Do you, can you guys relate to that at you, all? You hulk out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you hulk out. It's like the bat signal and you just, yeah. It's like saying, it's like saying, Hey, we're going to roll light today. Yeah. <laughs> Just I mean, flow. It's, yeah, it's one of the beautiful things that CrossFit did was was take exercise and in a way, it's kind of like gamified. It it, mm-hmm. it takes this really deep human need and want to perform and you know win or lose based on you know how you do in that time limit, and you can motivate people to get to greater levels of performance <clears throat> that way. I don't necessarily like positing it that for people where I say like, Hey, this, and this is a contest and you win or you lose, but there, no matter what, no matter how eloquently you explain to people that nobody else's workout matters. And what we want to do is you want to choose the best path for you today. And we want to make sure that you're using a weight that's appropriate for you. And, you know, depending on where you're at in your fitness journey, the reps, the loading, the volume should all be really just easy and, and light for you. When that clock starts, man, it, I don't care how much you've talked to that person. They're probably still going to get a little bit of that spark, a little bit of that energy, a little bit of that adrenaline. 
And that is really cool. And, and you can throttle that stuff up as you go through your journey in CrossFit. And somebody like you, Ron, has been doing it for 12 years, man. On days when you need to really, as soon as you hear three, two, one, go, and you got to smash the gas pedal, it's there for you. And that's, that's cool. That's a, that's a tool for you too. When, when you're not feeling the motivation. Yes. I, it's so. funny. You mentioned about how, you know, don't preach the competition side of things. Like, but man, like once, once that, once that buzzer goes off, like it is a game. You look around the, you look around the room and you're like, okay. And that guy, you either, <laughs> you either try to, you either try to be in a lead or you look for somebody that you would want to keep up with. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and this morning was a prime example. I all the way down at the other end of the room, a girl was keeping up with me and I could tell. And, and then the, 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 the thought clicked into my head. I didn't want to go any harder than this today, but I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, it's uh, bring it back to Glassman, man. Men will die, die for points. And, and that's where the, the game of it is. And, and Matt, you just brought up a, a valid point. You Which know? Matt? You, I, I, I would, I, I'd call him MDV if I was talking okay. to him. <laughs> how about, how about I'll say Matthew, since every once in a while you call me Ronald. Um, yes, I do. <laughs> but your point was, is I could use that as a tool. When the clock starts, the, the motivation, the worrying about being motivated or the feeling goes away. And then the, the discipline and the, and the muscle memory, because that's what it is. It's muscle memory. Like I've done this literally thousands of times in the past 12 years, like three, two, one, go. And I go and I, it hurts and I know it's going to hurt. Like, and at the end of it, it's done. Uh, one of my favorite things I ever heard anybody say was Josh Bridges is uh, two different ones was the bar is going to be the same weight 10 seconds from now. So pick it up now and 15 minutes after the workout is over, you're going to feel better. Like I'm damn confident. He said both of those and that's, and, and that's what it comes down to. And it reminds me of that exercise that we did on our enlisted level two call of the 15 minutes of awesome. <laughs> that I can use that as a tool. If I know that when the clock starts, I'm going to go to work. I should just start a clock. If I've got, if I want to get, if I want to get some marketing work done, I should just set a timer and go in on it. But well, we talked about that a couple of episodes back, um, that workflow that I've been using lately to, oh, that's of right. like, tw like 25 minutes of work to five minutes of not work, like random walking around or scrolling or something like that. And I'll set a, set a interval clock on my phone and, and legit like. 25 minutes, throw the phone in the corner, get to work, sit on the computer, write whatever I need to do. And then clock beeps. Oh, time's up. Let me take my rest. And then I'm in, in the kitchen. I'm refilling the water thing. I'm uh, folding laundry or just doing something different if I'm working at home or if if I'm at the gym, it's, it's similar, except I'll just go stand outside the office and watch a class happen or just go for a walk outside for five minutes and then hey, i'm going to go back in i'm going to get back to work and 
set the clock. And what is it? it's it's Jason Kalipa that yeah, coined down. the AMRAP mentality. Yeah, like do as much as you can with the time you have and and make it a put a little competitive aspect into it. I remember um, during the 75 hard challenge, something like 50 days in, I felt so like I felt like I was in such a flow state and I was aiming to just accomplish as many things as I could because it became so natural to just get shit done. Hmm. It's a it's a really cool thing. I love the time, the time clocking thing, though, the, the setting a clock and giving yourself a certain amount of time for whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, I well, think in terms of, uh, sorry, in terms of workouts, it's a, intensity is a tool, right? And, and like you were saying, Matt and both Ron, uh, tools can be used the right way, but they can also be used inefficiently and they can also be used the wrong way. And I think when we're thinking about intensity in terms of getting work done in a workout environment on a clock, if it's not properly managed or monitored, you're gonna see people implement intensity wrong and you know too much too soon too fast is really mm -hmm. the only times i've seen people get hurt within a crossfit or functional training gym aside from like the you know the shins on the box or like stepping on something the wrong way or whatever like i rarely you rarely see injuries that don't come from some misalignment of too much too soon too fast whether that's we're talking about pull-ups like mm -hmm. we were earlier or we're talking about just overall intensity and volume and loading so then there's a, there's gotta be balance and of course, and to be fair in the beginning, you're going to do too much too soon, too fast. If you're, you're excited, if you're new, but that really the, the coach's yeah. job and responsibility there is to yes. buffer against that is to, to, to advise maintain yeah. the excitement of the individual who's coming into the gym and in other ways and engage them and give them the opportunity to experience things mm -hmm. over, you know, a slow drip in the first few months, as opposed to just like throttling that needle into their veins and overdosing them essentially. Right. Like you have to be the, uh, steward of that journey. The slow drip ideas is, is a good metaphor. So someone made that, I heard that recently, how intensity is this, similar to heroin you can you can do it in short and we talked about this recently with uh rick alexander um anything can be can be related to a drug if you do it for in small doses over the long period of time you won't notice the effects for a long period of time and but all of a sudden you'll be fucked up like you'll build up the intensity if you do it well over a very short period of time, you won't notice the immediate punch in the face compared to like, hey, let me do this. Like, you know, I don't know how, I know nothing about drugs. So let me do all of this heroin. <laughs> if you do it all at once, like something bad can happen. Just like, um, hey, a couple of weeks ago, I did Murph and decided to do like 50 something butterfly pull-ups. And then I got rhabdo <laughs> in one, like one string, one shot. Like it's, you have to manage the intensity of it. That was an interesting experience. Never do that again. <laughs> was that but a true story that actually happened? Legit, yeah. Oh. 
the one time I, I don't wear a vest and do Murph and I decided to go unpartitioned and the run was great. And then I, and it was raining. It wasn't even hot. It was strange. I was dehydrated for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. Four, 40 or 50 That's, in a row. Myelitis is a very, yeah. Very it's strange. And my arms were like this for a week. <laughs> yeah. I gave him, I gave him a lot of hell about that MDV. Yeah. I, was, I, was I was busting his chops because he was talking shit about doing it unpartitioned when I, when I <laughs> totally, I broke it up into 50 rounds of two, four and six. And like, I wasn't even sore the next day. And he was, he texted me. He's like, I think I have rhabdo. And I was like, that's because you're dumb. <laughs> oh man. Dude, I've done it before. I, it's serious. But it's serious. Yeah. I'm going to deal with that for a long time. <laughs> and, and the following week, it was, it was the Sunday. I, I took the level two again, the following weekend. And I walk in and there's, um, there's Keith, there's Panda. And he's like, Hey, how you feeling today? You have any limitations? I'm like, well, my arms are like this. <laughs> so it, it was real difficult <laughs> to do everything. And MDV, I noticed, I noticed on your, uh, your post about the the 75 hard, I think it was yesterday or the day before. And yeah. you were talking about the hardest part uh, being the time management. And I think that that's such, um, it's such a challenge for everyone mm. in general, whether it's, whether it's that they're doing something like 75 hard or just, or just trying to make time because that's what it comes down to. It's not finding time, it's making time. When it comes down to making time to whatever it is that they know that they need to do. Mm. So with you, you're 45 days in, Matt and I have both done it. So we know exactly what, it, we're, what we're talking about when it comes to mm -hmm. putting our, intentionally putting ourselves into a situation where you have these tasks to complete and some of them, Two, two of them, you have to do 45 minutes and you have to do 45 minutes mm. in, in order to complete the task. That's an hour and a half a day. If, if you're starting those things from where you are, sometimes like if you're going to jujitsu class, are, are you driving to your jujitsu class or is it, you know, is it somewhere where you already at? you have that luxury to be to stay in one spot that's the was one of the best things about 75 hard for me was i still needed to make the time but most of the time i was able to just go out to the gym and do a workout yeah. or go outside and walk from the gym and then come back yeah. um so i guess what i'm getting at is how do we teach people to make the time or to reframe their mentality around having the time to do the things that they know is important yeah no that's a great question i, I think it comes down to awareness and discipline because whether or not you know it or whether or not you're aware of it you are currently making time for the things that are important to you so whatever you're doing in your day whether or not you're sleeping in whether or not you're you know, scrolling through Instagram for hours on end, whether or not you're watching Netflix at night for two or three hours, whether or not you're deciding to whatever, 
you're, you're currently making time for what's important to you, whether you're aware of that decision or not. So you have to, if, if you're looking at your day and you go, oh, I don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to fit in these two 45-minute workouts. Well, you have to reframe in your mind what's important to you and figure out whether or not you're going to, hey, I'm going to half the amount of time that I'm watching Netflix or not, or I'm going to give it up completely. And there's my two 45-minute workouts per day or whatever other puts and takes that you're going to make in your life to figure out how you get these things in. But the reason that I know this is doable is because other people have done it. And the reason that I know it's doable is that there's way busier, way more successful, way more uh, people who have things that are clawing at them and pulling at them. Like Joe Rogan comes to mind. Like if Joe Rogan can figure out how to work out for 90 minutes a day with all the other shit that he has going on in his life and, and having a wife and a family and a podcast that's the number one distribution of information in the modern world and all these businesses and all these things and people around him and constantly being distracted. If that guy can work out for 90 minutes a day, I can fucking figure out work out for 90 minutes a day. And like that, that to me is just a really important awareness of how we're spending our time. And then once you're aware, you have to have the discipline to continue to do those things that you might not really want to do. You might not really want to get up at 5:30 in the morning. You might want to sleep until seven, but in that 90 minutes, you are losing the opportunity to do whatever you might not want to do to set you up for success for the rest of the day. So it's a lot of awareness and it's a lot of discipline. You know, you made a great point, Matt. And I think, and I might be projecting here, but people mistake busyness for productivity. And even though they have so many things on their plate and things clawing for their attention, are they actually, is, is what those things are, are, are they valuable? So you make the, you know, the comparison to like Joe Rogan, he's got all kinds of stuff. Can't even imagine what that guy's life is like. And I bet he only makes time for the things that are important at that time, at that moment. Like, Hey, I don't need to check my phone. I don't need to even have Instagram on my phone, like things like that. And it's conscious decisions that you're making throughout the day. And I, or dude, unconscious or unconscious. Yeah. You, well, that's the thing. If you recognize that it is a decision, it's a choice. You can choose the other one, the other way you can choose to put the phone down, shut off the TV, go outside, get off the couch, whether it be to, to do a, two 45 minute workouts a day or do something different than what you've been doing. And one of my favorite pieces of advice or um, coaching cues I've been giving to people lately, um, more on the like, just conversationally is, hey, is what you're doing working? And if the answer is no, like they're still not seeing progress, okay, let's do something else. Let's do like the opposite of that. And when you recognize like, oh, I've been doing this for so long, I've been living my life this way for so long and I'm still unhappy or unfulfilled or missing something or complaining that I don't have time. Like, okay, what, what are you doing? Like, let's look at, let's schedule out all the things you're doing right now, you're doing today. Can we fit in some other things and move some stuff over? And if we take this out, are you, you going to be good? Like if we take out the 30 minutes of scrolling, are you, you going to be okay? Like, yeah. Okay. Let's do this instead. So, and as I'm learning more about business and uh, building a family, I'm, I'm realizing like there's so much more 
there's so much more productivity or ways to be productive and just having a loaded schedule is not that is not it mm. at all sometimes it's having nothing on the schedule and making time for important things and sometimes it's scheduling the shit that i just know i need to get done we do it all the time like i have appointments scheduled with clients i have coach classes i have meetings like those are on the schedule i'm gonna make time for them i'm gonna factor in driving i'm gonna factor in all this stuff can i do that for me as well for the things that are gonna benefit me self-care has become a lost art i believe if it was ever existent maybe now it's it's coming into existence such an interesting topic change. We went from kipping pull-ups to self-care and time management. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So um, Ron's had his blue belt for like 12 years. <laughs> why would I have to, why would I bring that up? <laughs> that was on my notes. I don't know why I had that on my notes here. Because <laughs> you mentioned that to me recently <laughs> yeah man the 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 memory came up on facebook the other yeah. day i was like oh cool such <laughs> such a good story uh what is when i got my blue belt um i was dude it was so hot it was like 90 degrees <laughs> that day i took two geese with me and but by the end of so it was a, it was at a hoist gracie seminar and um at the end of the technique portion, I changed into my gi before we started sparring. Dude, that gi, that gi was soaking wet. <laughs> and then we're sparring for like a half hour, 45 minutes. And after one of my matches, I sneak over to the bathroom and like cup some water into my mouth. And I get back to the mat and Hoist was not happy that, that, <laughs> oh, I, had left, that I had left the mat. And he looks at me and he's like, where were you in his deep Brazilian accent? And I was like, I was like, I ran to the bathroom to get a drink. And he looks at me dead in the eyes. Like I did not say it was time for a water break, get back on the mat and put on a blue belt. And I was like, wait, what did, did I just get yelled at and promoted in the same sentence by fucking hoist Gracie? Like, and I just, I wish I wish it would have been like in the days of video because I would love to be able to watch my reaction. Like I would love to be able to see my reaction. Um, it's just so cool. And like I, I get I get elated just like telling that story. It's awesome. It's a cool it's memory. Fun. That is cool, man. Imagine doing that in a CrossFit class like I didn't say you could go to the bathroom. Get back on the barbell. <laughs> oh, and, and and add weight to the bar. <laughs> There's probably people that run their gyms that way, man. I don't doubt it, man, for sure. <sighs> All right. What's 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 next, guys? What's on the horizon? Uh, I'm going to tackle a little bit more work this morning and then I'm going to go to Friday open mat here at 10th planet Portland, which has been a fantastic experience. So that's awesome. I'm going to get some training in today. Yeah. That's cool. Get after it. Is that where you're at? You're in, you're in Portland. Yeah. Uh, my fiance and I were in Southern California for a bit, uh, in the middle of the pandemic. And then we decided to, uh, to move up to the Pacific Northwest for, for a period of time. And who knows where we're going to go next, but yeah, 
We're Beautiful. in the Vancouver area. Yeah. Very nice. I love it. Well, dude, thank you. Thanks for taking oh, this the time. Blast. Early fun. morning from, from the sunny West coast of the United yeah, not States. So early. <laughs> and if you guys, if you guys are not following MDV on Instagram, oh. you, you really, you really, really <laughs> need to, I, I recently, uh, started following MDV and the content is unfiltered and <laughs> straight to the point and you might get your feelings hurt and it's so good. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. What's, what's the handle? Long, uh, uh, well, it's at MDV underscore F I T at Instagram or, uh, on I Instagram. Said my email address on Instagram <laughs> yeah, at M that tells you how great I am with this stuff. <laughs> Uh, I took a long time off of Instagram. I took like three years off. I think I started in 2014 and then gave it up from 17 to 2020. And then January 1st, 2020, I, I picked it back up, uh, started at zero and going from there. Fun. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun stuff. It's nice to see the comments sometimes (laughs) if you're, if you're into that controversial stuff, I love it, man. (laughs) But hey, thanks so much, guys. Appreciate you both. And uh, thank you, Matt. Thank you, Ron. Tune in. Tune in next. Thank you. If you loved this podcast, then share it. Tell all your friends. Hit the copy button. Copy the link. Choose five friends in your contact list on your phone and send it out let them know what they can expect from it too because we are on a mission here to change the world and we want to help as many people as possible so if you know anyone who can benefit from hearing what we have to say or what our guests have to say then send it over it's not going to do them any good if they don't hear it another way you can support us and support the podcast is really simply go on to Apple or go on to Spotify and rate the thing. Give us a five-star review. Write us a little note. Let us know how we're doing. Shoot us a DM on Instagram. Whatever it takes, let us know so we know that we're on the right track. And we know that we're providing content that is actually relevant to what you are needing and what you are looking for. And if it's not, hey, maybe we can help. So do your job. Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it.